Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics oh. Show Pubcast. Love podcasts, hate nonsense. It's the Politics Show Pubcast, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! <laughs> Let us stamp and send it! Come on! You dropped the intro. What? You dropped the intro. Dropped it. You didn't say love podcasts yeah, and nonsense. I did. You did. Well, we all started, we all started that's, clapping. That's why we clapped. That was Where was I? Clap. Yeah, on a different, <laughs> in a different place. And actually, you just interrupted. I was going to do a whoop then. Were you? I was close to whooping. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go cut on. me off. No. No, go on. Not now. You've killed it. You've ruined it. It's not the same. It's not the same. Um, sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a very special edition of the podcast today because not only are we joined by the golden boy of politics, Joe Ed Campbell, and of course, also the capital J journalist. Ava Santina, we're also joined by dominatrix extraordinaire Megara Fury. Megara, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> very, very glad to have you with us. Um, maybe we just start with a little chat about you. Okay, go Who for you it. are, what you do. Um, maybe actually, now I'll tell you what, Ed, why don't you tell the story of how we sort of came across Megara in the first place because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, paintball um, tournament. It, long-time fans of the... Podcast will remember our discussion about the Dom Fisav's paintball tournament, and then that's actually that's your event, Magar, isn't it? Yeah. So you're one of the people who lays waste to half-naked men with uh, with, paint, with paintballs, and you got in touch. And yeah, for you in like your well, all the work that you do. Yeah. How do you make sure that the worst doesn't happen. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Whatever it is you're doing, I, you, you mentioned to me before putting a nail through someone's ball sack. Um. Yeah, that's that's something that I've seen done quite a lot. And um, yeah. how, how how do you keep people safe? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and there's, there's all different levels of safety. So you've got your physical safety and you can manage that just as much as you can. So... 
people are there with the understanding if pain is their thing that they're going to get hurt and that's the whole point of it so you know try to get insurance is quite hard but <laughs> like, everything in there is designed to hurt you and um but in terms of safety it can be physical safety so you know just don't take risks that you know common sense wise are just daft things to do you know if you're going to tie someone up um, then you want to make sure that you're not um, tying up any areas where you might cut off circulation so for example if you're tying up wrists you want to make sure you're past that little bone because otherwise the, the rope could cut in here cut off circulation you can do permanent nerve damage so just little things like that that you need to learn along the way. That's probably one of the reasons why um, having a mentor when I was really early in this was, was really uh, pivotal for me. And then you've got things like your psychological safety. So making sure that the person's all right up here. Um, there's also different codes that you can follow depending on what one you want to prescribed to so you've got the SSC which is safe sane consensual which is probably the one that most people know about and then you've got RAC which is risk aware consensual kink which is where you can kind of play more at the edge of things and the, the boundaries of safety and um, then you've got consensual non-consensual so that's where you consent to not giving consent which is where you get like rape play fantasies and things like that coming out and um but you, you need to find what you're, where you want to play and then have conversations with people and make sure that everybody's aware of what's going to happen. Also to check in with the person as the session's continuing and that might include safe words. So for me, I've got a traffic light system and the traffic light system is red, amber and green. So green is go and amber is slow or change and red is no. So... If they shout green, so I'll say, give me a colour. So I'll maybe be in the middle of doing something and instead of saying, are you okay? How are you feeling? It might kind of break the scene mm. a little bit. I can say, give me a colour. And they say, green, okay. So I can continue or I can ramp things up. If I say to them, give me a colour and they give me amber or yellow, then at that point I'll check in with them. What do you need? Do you need to change direction? Do you want to do something different? Or do you just need a break? Do you need me to slow down? And, um, and we'll communicate that. And then if they call red, red means I'm having a heart attack or my leg's going to fall off. Like the session ends immediately there and then. Like everything stops and, and they leave immediately. There's no changing about. So what I say to people is <clears throat> if, you, if you're needing like some time or some space, then call Amber. But if you keep calling Amber and you start taking the mic, like we're we're not really getting into any sort of flow with it, then I'll call red and I'll end the session. Um, so there's all of that like, and, and more that can be put into making sure that people are kept safe. Mm. It's pretty, um, when, you, when I think about, I guess maybe this is just like stereotypes or generalizations in my head, but when someone says, you know, BDSM says like, you know, a dominatrix, you're kind of just, the first thing in your head, you're thinking of like whips and chains and people like, you know, in cages and, Obviously, there was all, there are always going to be you know safety mechanisms and all that in place. Yeah. But you just kind of you have like stereotypes right that are attached to the work you do. I think people think that there's this frenzy that happens in the in the dungeon where you're going to miss all this stuff, but actually, you set the pace of your sessions and they're not as fast paced and as frenzied as you would think. Like a lot of stuff takes time to set up. 
there's loads of opportunity in there for someone to say you know what I've changed my mind mm -hmm. and that's okay and and I think that in a BDSM relationship or in a BDSM session there's so much more conversation taking place there's so much more um, room for saying yes or no to things and giving consent or revoking consent and consent on both sides like they need to consent to having the things done to them but I need to consent to doing them mm -hmm. and there's certain things that I'll say no I'm not doing that so things like I don't do um, scat uh, I don't What's do oh, I, I, do you know what I asked and I knew <laughs> so, you were the audience sorry. Sorry. jazz yeah. singing so no no scat no um, I don't vomit I don't do any sort, of, any sort of toilet play or anything like that. Um, I don't do adult baby. It's just not my, not my bag at all. Um, I don't do, I don't really do much public stuff unless it's really controlled or in a kind of closed environment. Or it's so there's a thing that I did a while ago, which I kind of looking back, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? But. Basically, I, I took someone on a lead right through Glasgow and I had them on a, I had, a, had them in a dog mask with a, a leash on them and I was walking them around. And it, I mean, it was good fun in that. But when I look back, I think to myself, I've probably unwittingly involved members of the public in a scene that they don't consent to being in. And it's only with hindsight that you see these things. So interesting, I wouldn't do that again, I don't think. That's... that's um... Because that's like one of the one of the editorial conversations we had around even doing this interview, right? Is because mm -hmm. some of your subs you mentioned earlier, public humiliation and and that sort of thing. Yeah, there are people who some of your subs will enjoy the fact that you're here talking about them with us in yeah. front of other people. And there's then a question for us as a publisher of like we're almost we're we're entering in that relationship. Then you know we're taking a, we're taking a position on it. Then we're like, are we just observing and talking to you, or are we actually participating in it? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, they they were definitely very excited that I was going to be on this. Like yeah. one one sub um, turned up about a week ago. I think I was telling you about it in text, and um, the he turned up and he was like, "So, um, just tell me, are you going to be on Politics Joe?" And I was like. <laughs> How did you know about that? And he's like, I just, I, I heard it and I heard about the paintball and they were talking about it. And, and he's like, I'm just, I love that show. I'm just so excited. Can't believe we're going to be on that. it. He show was it, like, breathless excited. This was never it. a question that I had, by the way. This is purely a concern of his. This was absolutely fine. <laughs> like, full send. Full yeah. send. Um, can, will you, what's that sub's nickname? Uh, he doesn't really have a nickname, but if I, was, if I was going to call him anything, I'd call him Boot Humper. Boot Humper. Yeah. Boot Humper, you're the man. Shout Loves. out Boot Humper. Or Loves not. Boot Hump. Can... Hump the poo, but pump. Fuck. No, I had a good one too. <laughs> Go on. Cut that. Okay. Hump the boot, don't lick the boot. <laughs> That's it. Yes. <laughs> um, could, will you tell us the rest of that story? The, the, the Boot Humper yeah, story? Yeah, yeah. After he said to you, oh, I'm so excited. You, 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 you said something about... Well, I don't want to take... On the text, you, 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 you couldn't really hear what he was saying because... You, your foot was in his mouth. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, then I, he was like, oh, and I took my foot out of his mouth, and he's like, and, and, and that's why I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to talk about um, politics. No, as well. we're not. This is, no, sick. This is fucking yeah, I mean, This is fucking great, to be fair. So maybe we won't. We'll see how long we go for. But you've got. Um, we cut the episode in half. Easy. 
Yeah, maybe we do. Maybe we do. Oh, sorry. Um, but we're going to do a bit about your own history, um, both in terms of sort of legalisation and campaign against sex work in Scotland, your work in the unions there. We're going to talk about the BBC. We're going to talk about Keir Starmer's Drift to the Right. We're going to talk about universities. We're going to talk about the heat wave. And you guys are allegedly going to try and fix politics as well. That's coming at the end. Full green on that one. Yes. But <laughs> before we do all of that, before we do all of that, Magari, you've, you've brought a bag of tricks with you. I have. I, I understand. Have um, so, okay. I was wondering if you could give us a run through some of the stuff you brought with you. So, it's like show and tell, isn't it? It is. It's like show and tell. <laughs> bring your toys to work day. Yeah. So you'd said about bringing stuff and having stuff out the dungeon, but what I thought would be more helpful, especially to anyone watching this, is to bring ordinary household items that you can repurpose as kinky things. Like Blue Peter. It's like we're in a cost of living crisis. Sexy blue pizza. Exactly. Here's one I made earlier. Cost of living crisis. Nobody wants to be spending extra money. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. let me show and, you how and to. Also, and Martin also, Martin Lewis, eat your heart out. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you also flew here, right? So the more metal you took, that would just be like a airport security guy on the x-ray being like... Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. I've had things pulled out of my bag before. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're not really allowed. You can't take rope on a on a flight. I've learned. So someone because within context, would it not like be allowed? I, think, I don't think like not terrorists would be like a dominant. But <laughs> plugs and a doxy vibrator at the same time, and was like, and a huge paintball gun. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually that. That was the problem. And someone in there, it's yeah. a live person in there. Bloke like waving yeah. at him outside the suitcase. Yeah, no, I'm full green on this, don't worry. Like, full green. Okay, cool. <laughs> Put me through the scanner. <laughs> Put me through the scanner. Yeah. Boot on brick, trust up, going through the scanner. So what I wanted to... Oh, right. Spoons. So wondering why I've got spoons. And a skirt hanger. So these are just things that I grabbed in my kitchen and I thought, right, I can do something with these. I didn't have a butt plug in my kitchen right now. It's enough. very pretty. So, That's what you were saying, eh? It's a pretty it's looking so, thing. It's unused, by the way, but it's so pretty. Like, I absolutely love this. I think it's really... And look, your bumhole can twinkle. I like to think mine already does. <laughs> <laughs> twinkle, twinkle, little star. It's yeah. great. Um, the other things that I've brought... Um, this is actually my partner's exercise band, but what you could do with this is, if you've got these at home, is you can tie them around the person or people that you're playing with and then you can use it just to pull it back and snap it back so if you're doing any sort of spanking or anything like that then you can repurpose things like this um, as a, an implement for spanking you can also use it for tying up as well but I would be careful with how tight you go with it and always keep scissors handy because of the circulation thing you were saying about yes um, the next thing that I brought was little sandwich um, clips, bags. So you can use them as, as makeshift nipple clamps and they're actually really effective. But you see, I can never get them tight enough around, like, you know, the cracker bag. So, like, I, <laughs> I, I question that. Surely so, they look like they'd be tight, to be honest with you. Yep, you can get them, they'll, they'll squish the skin down. If that's not enough for you, though, then we have skirt hangers, no, which no, you no, can no. move these... <laughs> In and out, <laughs> attach them onto nipples. I'm not in the wardrobe. <laughs> yes. 
But the great part about these is it's got a hook on it, so the hook you can add weights, <laughs> and you can move them in and turn it into um, like a ball clamp, and you can attach weights and stuff onto it. So there's that. And the What's reason. A, uh, uh -huh. What is a ball clamp? Just a clamp that goes on your balls. I should have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other things that I brought was just spoons. Mm. So what I like to make out of usually chopsticks, but I didn't have any chopsticks there, um, is you can create a sort of gag. And all you need is elastic bands and two long implements. And it could be spoons, it could be chopsticks. Get the person to stick their tongue out and then just trap their tongue in between it. Oh. put the elastic bands around and then you can tie it around the back of their head and then they're just like <laughs> and they can't speak it can get quite painful though so I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave that is, one for too long this is kind of like um, like Jason Bourne James Bond type do you know what I mean it's like if if uh, if someone broke into my house and we only had household implements to defend ourselves I feel like you would you'd pick the right thing do you know what I mean absolutely absolutely the so the reason, one of the reasons why I brought this as well is... Specifically this one. Yeah. So a lot of the time when you buy butt plugs, they've got a really wide part here, which is absolutely no good. So what you want is... Why? You want a wide base here, right. and you want it to taper into quite a thin part here, and then be very wide here. The reason being, your bum hole is like a, a circular muscle. So you want it to close over that. And... So that will go in, this will open up, it will close over it, and then that will help it to stay in. The wide base stops it from disappearing up your backside, and then you end up in a and &E and somebody's holding up x-rays and laughing at you. I fell on it, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fell I on tripped. it. Oh, tripping fell on a I like doing that remote pin. control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I reckon there are some A and E doctors watching this who are going to like have some gripes. Well, no, <laughs> not with you because you're obviously being like, this is why this is important. But yeah. amateurs, yes. rank amateurs. Like, oh, not again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you want the thinness here as well because what you don't want is to be. Say you want to wear it and go out somewhere. You don't want to cough and it just pops out. <laughs> you know. So, or you bend down to pick something up and you get up and it's on the floor. So what you want is a really thin bit here, nice fat bit here, or as fat as can go in um, without injuring yourself, mm -hmm. and then a nice wide base on it. So That's the gold go. standard, is it? Yes. That's what I would always go with, because I've tried other types of butt plugs on people and then they, they laugh and it shoots out, or <laughs> they, <laughs> they get too excited like to tense up and it pops yeah, out and you're just like, mood, uh, yeah. yeah. Like both the wine. <laughs> oh, sure. Can you do that close to the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like a metallic clinking noise when it hits something. Do you think when the subs heard that, I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I hear them going, oh no, miss, I'm sorry. Do you, I'm like, did you spit out your butt plug? Do you, <laughs> do you send them out like into the world with like butt plugs in and stuff? So I was telling you this earlier mm -hmm. and I had a client who is in chastity and he had a hill walk to go on. <laughs> and he's like, oh, can I get out from my hill walk? I mean, oh, I don't know. Um, what to do is, is book a session with me and... We'll discuss it then. So he turns up and, and I said, "There's, I'll need to think about what I want to make you do in order to earn getting your keys back for this. 
So he turns up and I got a butt plug, which is a love ends butt plug, and it can be controlled from anywhere in the world and it vibrates. So I linked it to my phone, stuck this thing in his, his backside, put loads of makeup on him, loads of jangly jewellery, so he, he like very much stood out if you were to see him. And um, I kept him locked. He'd also just been food shopping, so I took his oysters off him and flung them in the fridge. I said, I'm keeping your oysters as well. And I wrote a letter, just a note, and put it into an envelope and sealed it. And I said, right, you're going to go to a gay bar and you're going to go and give this note to someone. And you're going to bring back a signature so that I know that you've done it. And um, and then I'll, I'll unlock you. And he's like, oh, right, OK. And he had a couple of sniffs of poppers because he bloody loves poppers. And that was him, ready to go. So he goes off and... Um, and in the note, he doesn't know what it says. And it, so in his mind, it could be anything. It could be, you know, the guy could start trying to kiss him or it could be something wildly offensive and he gets a punch in the face or it could be something really innocuous. So he's got no idea. But on the note, what I'd written was just really nice stuff. I was like, hey, um, my bits are locked away and I'm not allowed to get them back until I get a signature. So <laughs> I'm going to buy you drinks and um, can you just help me out? so that I can get my bits back. And, um, and I drew all this really nice stuff and, and, and I drew in it as well, like, if you're reading this, I think you're the prettiest man in this bar and oh. just tell me what drink order you've got. And also, once you've read this, please dispose of the note and don't give it back to me because I'm not allowed to know what it says. So he goes into a gay bar, hands it to the, the first guy that he sees and um, and they read it and they were just smiling and laughing and um, then they scrunch up the note and give him, tell him, go to the bar and get me this drink. So he goes up, gets the drink, gives them their drink back and they, they take the other piece of paper that was in the envelope, um, sign it, give it to him and then he came back to the, the dungeon. Yeah. And um, when he got back he was just like, oh, so exciting he's like what did the note say i was like i'm not telling you (laughs) (laughs) do you ever drop character do you ever have like post-match analysis and be like this is what like in like you as magara boot humper as peter or whatever his name is (laughs) that wasn't his name but um (laughs) you've asked it or whatever his name whatever his name is are you ever like do you ever interact on not a subdom level on being like a this is what works this is what didn't Yes. Let's get. Okay. Yeah. Is so, there a feedback session? Is that what you're? Yeah. Or being just being like <coughs> performance, performance why review. You put the oysters in the fridge and not the freezer. Sorry, that that really did throw me off. He was eating them that night. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we spend the first five minutes talking about the session and why they're there and what they want to get out of it. What would make it spectacular for them? And then we spend the last five minutes of the session just talking about what did you enjoy? What was your favourite part? Was there anything missing that would have made a difference for you? Um, is there anything that you would definitely do next time? And is it what what do you want your next session to look like? So there, that's partly to kind of break down, get some feedback for myself and also find out what's working for them, what's not, because I need to get to know the person and everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's sort of planting a seed that there's going to be another session, but we're, it's just a matter of what that looks like. Um, and I think that really helps to build that um, build that relationship with the person as well. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Not another one? It's the Politics Show podcast. Should we talk a little bit about your um, your work as a boss union organiser? Yes. <laughs> because, um, do you, so... You, before you were a dom, you also you did you did a little bit of lap dancing. Am I, am yes. I right in saying uh-huh. that? Mm-hmm. And um, quite recently, some legal efforts were made, governmental efforts were made, to close um, strip clubs in Glasgow. Yep. And also the Highlands. Yeah. And um, they tried to close them all over Scotland. And Edinburgh. People yep. trying to go to Edinburgh was under threat. Mm-hmm. And there's also a ton in Aberdeen as well, I think, because mm-hmm. like, of the oil rigs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they tried. They tried to to close it down. Mm. They hadn't. They hadn't counted on Megara Fury, had they? They, <laughs> they weren't ready for that. I mean, it wasn't just me. It no, was no, I'm, I know. But... A whole bunch of very angry strippers. So fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Run. <laughs> so what yeah, um, I guess it goes. It goes back quite a while. Like the the first time that I got involved in any sort of activism was way, way back when uh, Sarah Champion, the Labour MP, was trying to remove everyone's websites and have them all taken away, bring in the Nordic model, criminalise buyers and all of that stuff. Um, at that point, like, I decided that I would, if it was any other sort of job where, because removing my website makes me unsafe. So Sarah Champion was trying to take away websites you take away the website then you take away a screening opportunity for workers and that would make everyone unsafe so I decided at that point um, that if I was in any other workplace and I was being made unsafe what would I do I would unionize um, the only stumbling block that I saw was that we were all self-employed so how what unions would take on self-employed workers it didn't even occur to me that we're sex workers and that there might be an issue on that side of things. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how much, how little of a, a thing that I had, like, an awareness that I had that anybody might actually be annoyed at that or, or have a problem with it. So um, I go, put into Google, self-employed unions, like who can help? And GMB was the first one that came up. So I contacted GMB via email and I got an email back um, and they said, oh, I'm not too sure, but, you know, I'll, I'll come back to you with an answer on that. Um, and then within 24 hours, I had an answer that Rhea Wolfson wanted to speak to us and she was really happy to take this on. 
So I met up with a couple of workers that I knew who were escorts. So I was at the dorm and then there was other escorts there. And we went up and spoke to um, Rhea Wilson and she she listened to us and she listened to like our concerns and how we were just concerned that we were going to get made unsafe in a job that's completely legal. Um, what do we do? And, and she said, OK, we can, we're a trade union, we'll help you. Um, she explained a lot about trade unionism, which was... So in my mind, I thought the trade union will fight it. But then I wasn't thinking, well, what, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? But the trade union is actually the workers fight that themselves. But they, they're empowered by the union. They give them a banner to organise under. They give them um, clout and visibility and, and access to like newspapers and journalists and all of that stuff. Um, and also a lot of direction in terms of different things. So so that um, that was what we did. And she said to me, if you want your own branch, it's going to be difficult to place you in a branch because you're self-employed. But if you want your own branch, you're going to have to recruit at least 50 members. So I came out of that meeting and I was like, oh, easy. <laughs> <laughs> it was not easy. So, um, so I went out trying to recruit people to come into the branch just to start organising. Um, and looking at different things, very quickly um, we found out that they were that the Glasgow City Council were going to try and close down strip clubs. So the Scottish government had legislated that the licensing conditions needed to change. So the strip clubs used to be a public entertainment venue, which was the same as like a bingo hall or, or a pub or anything like that. And they wanted to bring in a new type of license called a sexual entertainment venue license. What the what they were trying to do though was um, allow the to do the consultation for the the councils to decide whether or not they were going to have those licenses, and if they were going to have those licenses, then how many licenses would they make available? including setting it as zero, which effectively shuts all the clubs and bans them all. So the Scottish government brought that in. That was really pushed in by a, a lady in the SNP called Sandra White, who has hated strip clubs like all of her days. And she brought in Julie Bindle to, um, to do some research on strip clubs. And a lot of it was heavily kind of biased towards men are all sleazy and these women are all exploited and there was a, a whole lot of stuff in there that we were like that's not even the setup of a club that's not even what happens like and I know that because I've been there and I've worked there so I doubted whether or not they'd even visited a club or whether they just made this up so um the so this was all this was all taking place Glasgow was the first place to start the consultation and they weren't even going to have any dancers or any trade unions or anything at the table. Um, and it was a lady, Rhiannon Spears, who was an SNP councillor at the time um, that I spoke to. And she and I said to her, can you please make sure that GMB dancers, club owners, um, anybody that's got a vested interest in this, any of the other trade unions as well, because there are other trade unions, um, are involved and are, they're at that table because it's them that needs to have a say on this. You know, if you were going to legislate and get rid of plumbers, plumbers might have something to say about it, right? <laughs> and I can't, yeah. 
I can't tell you what a plumber should and shouldn't be doing because I don't know anything about plumbing. Mm -hmm. So same for us. It should be the, the experts. So um, so they, they did this consultation. Then it was like dominoes. Other cities started doing them. And I'm like, I can only take on what I can take on. So I just focused on Glasgow. I went to GMB um, and that was what really drove the numbers for joining. So overnight we had like over 100 members. It was huge. Um, and the, we formed a strike team, which is what you would normally do when you're, um, when you're doing any sort of trade union campaign, you form a strike team, which is basically a small group of people who will um, take decisions on behalf of the larger group. Because if you were to try and run votes for everything, it would start to get quite slow and also quite messy and in arguments and all of that stuff. So um, formed a strike team of people that were happy to be in the media. And from there, our whole tactic was just to have conversations with people and to bring people in and to lean into what their concerns were and answer them and get the public on side. Um, another thing that we decided to do very early on was to dress and look and sound and act just like everybody else. So no protests in our underwear, no shouting and bawling and megaphones and all of that stuff because what we, what our decision was was that that would other us from other people and people would go, oh, you're a bit, don't want to help you. You don't look like me. You don't sound like me. But when people look and sound like the woman next door or the, or the person up the road or, you know, that your friend of a friend or your sister's pal and, and suddenly they're losing their job, now you can relate to it. So by the time the the consultation ended and all of the results were totted up, um, we went in for an, an evidence session as well. And then we went in for the evidence session. Like that was the first time that dancers had been round a table with all of these officials. And they asked us loads of things about um, different things that they'd heard through the grapevine or from women's groups that were just completely untrue. Like. Um, one women's group had went in and said, well, someone gets sexually assaulted in a, a strip club last week and it happened here. And it, and we were like, we're all in group chats. We would know about you that. You about it, yeah. It goes, anything like that goes around like wildfire. There's CCTV in every single inch of every single club. You know, show me the evidence for that. That would have been reported. So um, there was things like that getting put about and it's just completely untrue and it was done so that the council would have doubts about the safety of the girls but having the the women there putting their case across was so powerful and one of the things that I said to the council at the time was like <clears throat> you might have all the power but we've got all the knowledge so rather than fight each other why don't we bring that together and actually set a gold standard not just for Glasgow but for the rest of Scotland and the rest of the UK and a lot of the conditions that they wanted to bring in for safety were already happening. So I said, you're, it's not like you're changing anything, but what you will do, because we were in support of licensing, because we thought they're going to do it anyway, so we might as well get on board with it. So we said, look, if you're, if you're going to license, all we want you to do is just take the conditions that are already happening and just set them in stone so they can't be taken away by new management or anything. <clears throat> Another thing that we did with that is... Um, as a trade union, we got recognition in two of the clubs. So it was the first time a trade union had recognition in a club as well. 
So we have GMB have recognition in Seventh Heaven and also in Diamond Dolls. So even if that club changes management, we've still we're still the trade union for in there, and we deal with any kind of disputes or anything. So that is really powerful, and it's really empowering for the women being able to like unionise and bring things up like that. When it came to the um, the last meeting where the council were going to take their vote and everything, we were allowed to sit in that meeting. And they read out the results of the consultation. And 94% of Glasgow were in favour of keeping the clubs. So I don't think they expected that. But when I heard that, I wasn't allowed to speak at the meeting, but I was like, <laughs> I mean, so excited for listeners to the podcast and those who don't watch on YouTube the second you as you said that statistic there is a huge smile on your face as, yeah. as you say that it's like vindication for all of that organisation right yeah and that came from having conversations like we set up a table in Buchanan Street and we got people to fill out the consultation by hand we had paper copies printed out and um, and we brought people over now there's some people who were absolutely on board. So we're like, here's your bit of paper. Fill it out. Great. We'll just put that in the box. There was some people who were absolute no's. Like, they're never going to change their minds. So we were like, fair enough. Like, have your opinion. That's fine. Um, but it was mostly the people who were in the middle that we worked on. So the people that are, like, almost a yes were like, well, what, what's stopping you from being a full yes? tell us what your concerns are and we cleared that up and then there were people who were kind of on the border of maybe a no and we just asked them like what what is it that you what's there for you like what are you seeing in your mind that you think that this is going to be unsafe and just ask us have the conversation we'll tell you anything you need to know mm. and there was one guy who was so seedy it's terrible it's disgusting these women aren't safe they're, they're and so Debbie it was that I actually had a chat with them and she was like look I'm the breadwinner in my house. See if I need my kids watched. My husband's taking the day off work. And she's, she, like, her whole persona and her whole way of being was just, like, so powerful that this guy was like, I, I wouldn't mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so he ended up signing and saying, like, actually, I'm a yes. Like, you you, you do what you need to do. So. And how often have you seen him since? <laughs> <laughs> It's like regular. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what's interesting is people have these perceptions about sex workers, whether as strippers, sex workers, dominatrixes. Mm-hmm. I think most people probably don't know someone who is. So it's like what you said, but it's about the othering, isn't uh-huh. it? It's like it's like they become this, this phantom onto which you can project your own morality, like or your own, your own assumed morality of other people being like, I assume people wouldn't treat these people with respect or these people aren't making the decision to do it themselves. But it's like giving a voice to the people that are doing it yeah and we all do it we all put our own judgments on our own frame of reference onto people there's probably people that that look at you guys and put their own judgments onto you right and you have to absolutely never (laughs) they're all right though (laughs) do you think it's a a a women thing as well like a traditional woman thing because i mean obviously ignoring the male sex workers for one moment but it's it's almost do you know what I'm going to do? I was about to project my stereotypes. I was thinking it's like housewives at home who like are older and just don't like the idea of women having sex. But that is a real... That's, that's my own thing. That's, that's growing up Catholic. That has brought that out of me. <laughs> I think it's... There's, there's a whole... There's a whole 
range of different people that agree and disagree with it. What I found really surprising was sometimes it's the people that I thought would be the last people to agree or to be on board that were actually on board. And, you know, like really older female members in my family were like, you go on hen. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, mm, <laughs> nice. Um, and then there was, there was people that I thought would be on board, but actually they were super prudish. And these are people who maybe are posting like their very like provocative photos and stuff on Instagram and all of this, but oh, when you catch me anywhere near that, mm. and it's like, wow, I thought you would have been more, I thought you'd have been more in amongst this and more like supportive of that. Through your work, not just that campaign, but also as a Dom, mm -hmm. do you feel like you've, um, I'm sure you do, but a unique insight into kind of gender politics or power and the dynamics between particularly men and women, but I guess you and you and women as well. I know it's not just men who are your subs, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you what what sort of insights have you gained from that period of time? So I mean on the, the gender politics side of things, like as a Dom, I've seen a lot of people who are either playing with or experimenting with um the trans side of things. So the when I first started thirteen years ago, there weren't these very public conversations happening. So we would have what we termed, it's totally not politically correct anymore, but we termed it as TV dress up, which is transvestite dress up. So it was just guys wanting to put on a dress, right? And and I, th I wonder now whether or not they really were trans, but just trying to play it off and play it cool is oh, it's just a wee fetish thing that I do. And how much of that was was being hidden and suppressed, even in the dungeon, because they don't want to be out there with it. So, and there's definitely been more, I'm seeing people a lot more comfortable with themselves now and a lot more bolder now than, than when I first started 13 years ago. And, um, and some of that is just lovely to see, like it's really nice. Um, some of it, like, for example, I've got a client who only started dressing quite late on in life, like 50 years old. And the thing for him is that he missed out in his 20s as a woman and so didn't get that experience of going out clubbing and wearing short skirts and all that. So what they are doing now is trying to dress like that at this age and there's like a disconnect between those two things and it's a shame that they've missed that but like they turned up at my dungeon um, in a mini skirt like way too short fishnet tights um pvc jacket very like attention drawn and we're like toddling down my street and like I'm all for freedom and all of that stuff, but I'm also very much about discretion when it comes to my dungeon, and that look, that would look very out of place in my quiet little street when there's <laughs> someone toddling down with all of this on. And it was for him, it was his thrill, but for me, I was like, please don't do that again. Like I'm fine if you want to come down dressed like a fifty year old. But when you're dressed like that, like keep that for the nightclubs, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I've got neighbours. Like I, I wouldn't walk down your street cracking a whip. So <laughs> let's let's 
respect each other's spaces here. Mm. But I think a lot of that comes from me just didn't really know what to do with it. You know, there's a lot of finding your feet and finding that ground and like where does the what are the boundaries of this? So I think right now it's it's like tumultuous. It's a kind of washing machine of stuff. Well, it's like when you come into adolescence, don't you? I mean, like if you look at like look around the family barbecue. Yeah. The 14-year-old is always wearing something outrageous. And you're like, <laughs> why are you wearing that? <laughs> this family event. <laughs> and it's because you're discovering yourself and you're coming yeah. into yourself, right? Yeah. And, and for a lot of older people, they skip all of that. They yeah. miss out on all of that. And then they try and reclaim it back. And it's like, it's too, it's too late. I guess people's stereotype or assumption about you and the work you do is, you know, Dom, BDSM, okay, you're like, you know, lads are having painful wanks in your basement, and then <laughs> <laughs> actually, in a lot of the, a lot of cases, you're almost um, you're liberating people. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's ther- you're almost a therapist as much as you are a dominatrix. Yeah, and like being a coach. Um, What's that? You just like. He's been. How long have we been going for? He can't take it. An hour sat across He's from like, you, Megara. Okay. I heard painful wanks. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Nam. <laughs> it's the Politics Show podcast. Ava, you were on the Beeb yesterday. And you were on it the day before. Well, yeah, but we'll talk about you first. Why? I've been polite. <laughs> um. I don't know why I'm in aggressive mode. No, now. it's okay. Fine. I was, no, you don't have to talk I'm about. You don't have to talk about being on TV. Yeah. Those clamps. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not what this show is. Um, yeah, I was on the Beeb on Sunday. Mm. I did did Kunzberg. Um, Let's cut it so that you don't introduce a segment by talking about me. You just go straight in with <laughs> I was on the Beeb on Sunday. Yeah, enough about you, Magara. I want to talk about, <laughs> yeah. to talk about my yeah. fucking self now. Okay, that's what this show is about. That's what the show is for. Um, <laughs> All these weekly media check-in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, Starmer was on Kunzberg uh, alongside me as well as Andrea. No, no so Andrea. Right. Andrea. Andrea led some. What did you make of what you had? Um, interesting. I thought um, he started off, your, I think your first question to him, you asked him whether he was going to be radical in government. He answered yes and then didn't really commit to very much uh, throughout the rest of the interview, did he? I uh, also critical for different reasons to Andrea, I suspect. Um, I The terms of the debate that gets framed around Labour is how are you going to pay for it? Mm-hmm. Where's the money going to come from? I uh, I reject the terms of that debate pretty strongly because the Conservative Party is able to shake its magic money tree and £7 billion falls down so they can cut inheritance tax. Um, right now, it has never been, well, ne- not never been, but by historical standards, it is cheap to borrow money. The state that the country is in at the moment, may I, and Andrea, I listen to you. Uh, I'd like it if you listen to me as well. Um, it's cheap. It's cheap to borrow money by historical standards. We have the biggest squeeze on living standards since the Napoleonic Wars. If you invest money in this society, the social good that will come out of it is extraordinary. We have so much to gain. The calculation has to be, yes, financial cost. What do we gain out of it? If you invest money in building houses, right, you don't just have houses. You improve crime outcomes. You improve health outcomes. It's the benefit of our society to make these changes. Can we talk a little tiny bit of a backstory, which is that when you're a journalist, you go out and you doorstep politician. You, you, you kind of like jump out with a microphone yep. and you ask them a few questions. Mm. Ollie has done this to Keir Starmer before. Yeah. 
in a way that I think it's fair to say he wasn't best pleased with. No. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, he, was, yes. he wasn't happy. We hung outside the chip shop he was in for an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did. And then we hung around outside the hotel he was meant to be staying in. And they were really unhappy about yeah, that they as well. They didn't love mm. that. Yeah, Which is perfectly that. allowed, right? And this is what all journalists do. Okay? Yeah. This is not just, you know, a okay. thing because of Ollie. Yeah, okay. Look, so there's, there's, there's different things. There's competing things at play here, which is um, one is... The relationship between um, sort of like political leaders and the media and the way that relationship typically works is if you want to have uh, if you want to get access to let's say the leader of the opposition's office or uh, 10 Downing Street you have a line of communication between maybe their director of communications or the actual leader themselves and in return for um, access to the people in power they expect a certain standard of behavior from you um, either in your coverage of them and that person, or just more broadly. So I've experienced that multiple times with Boris Johnson's Downing Street and also with Keir Starmer's Labour Party, who basically, you start talking to them and they're like, yeah, we really want to do something in politics, Joe. And then you publish something and they're like, what the fuck is this? This, <laughs> yeah. this was not in the agreement. This is, why, why are you being... Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so... Imagine if we just went full send and every journalist published every text that had been sent by an advisor to them. Yeah, well, exactly. A threatening text, yeah, honestly. So it would give fair... you a run for your money, honestly. Like... <laughs> you could just read out the text. Have been some yeah. for yeah. material. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've had, a, I've had a few of those before from... from Advisors of different political shades. Anyway, um, we're in the green room and the, uh, previous to this, and it's Andrea Ledsom, not Andrea Ledsom. I was told afterwards I've been saying her name wrong the entire time. It's Andrea. Um, first thing she says to me is, oh, how's your blog doing? Uh, to, to me, uh, uh, it's probably, I'd probably say it's a you know, social media publisher, Andrea, but um, you know, don't. Lead some. Yeah. 50 million minutes viewed a month, but yeah. no problem. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, a billion yeah. views last no. month, Andrea. Mm. Just a billion views. Uh, yeah, it's a blog. Yeah, fuck you. Um, and then at the, <laughs> during, the outro, during the outro as well, um, Kunzberg said something like, oh, you know, it's great to have um, two dames. Not, why have one dame when you can have two? Because it was Dame Andrea Littman. It was also Dame Sharon White, the CEO of the John Lewis Partnership Group. And Andrea leant into me and went, do you feel inadequate? <laughs> Like in my ear, your eyes lit up there. <laughs> no, because because and I tell you love what, her. yeah, I instantly love her. I actually loved it. I was like, "You are being a bitch," and I love it. That's what all... he told us yesterday. We went, "Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's all." He's, what that's, a woman! That's all his dungeon. Yeah, yeah that is that is my dungeon. Dunning, yeah. um, a dame of the realm. Why, why, are we talk, why are we talking about? Oh, the crux advisors. the crux of that was was that it is then amusing for me that you shared a studio with him. Yes. Anyway, so before the broadcast, he actually came into the green room to like shake everyone's hand and say hello to to so you know did it with and and Andrea, um, Sharon, and also me. And I I said, oh, nice to meet you because. I haven't actually been formally introduced to him. I've just chased him down the road with a microphone. And, and he went, good to see you. Mm. And that was, that was that. So that was my little, my little Kunzberg experience. I wish you'd pulled a microphone out then and there. No, just, just, just ruined your relationship with Laura Kunzberg as well. <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely like, yeah, lay really yeah. waste to all the... <laughs> Good work. Do you know what would be a good outcome outcome to come out of the Andrea thing? Is yeah. if she sends you a text in the coming days, and because of the Andrea, Andrea thing, yeah. she just spells it O-L-Y. Yeah, Olay. revenge. Ole! Yeah, the revenge. The reason for that's her. funny is that that's not how he spells it. I'd be up for having I'd be up for having her on, on, on the podcast. I don't think she probably would. I think No, you she... called her a bitch. 
Oh shit! Yeah, I did, call, I did just call her a bitch, didn't I? Yeah, so that's not going to happen, is it? Um, <laughs> um, Ava, how was your experience on the BBC? Was it less fraught? Yeah, it was good. It was a bit. It was good fun. I did it was on with Darren Jones, who is a I'd like to think a bit of a celebrity around these aisles, you know? Yeah, well, certainly in, for the Poljo audience he is, yeah. Yeah, we really like him on select committees and we often serve you his content. Mm, mm. Yesterday he was making quite a conservative move, I think, to uh, entering the shadow cabinet. Yeah, he yeah. was putting his case forward, wasn't he? I mean, it, it was. Most of the polling shows that the reason Labour are ahead is because they don't like the Conservatives. It's not because of anything that Starmer is actually putting down. And arguably, you know, he's talking about we need to, we'll invest in public services after we get the economy back on track. Well, you can't get the economy back on track unless you invest in public services. It's an incredible catch-22. Well, you can get the private sector moving whilst reforming public services. There are things that we can do in the private sector on skills, on productivity, on technology, supporting businesses to improve their exports, which will get the economy growing, which will then result in some more money coming into our bank account in order to pay for public services. So it's a whole economy piece. And it's very complicated. It's very hard. And it's going to take time to turn it around because the country's in such a mess. But you sound like a conservative when you say that. I don't think I am because we're talking about reform. <laughs> we're not saying the status quo is OK. We're saying things have to change. And we've got those five missions, which I think are very bold for the country. So you basically had to defend... Um... <laughs> He had to defend the indefensible, really, didn't he, as a Labour, as a Labour MP? Yes. Because on Kunzberg, Starmer had said, we will not remove the cap on, on the two-child benefit cap, right? He yes. admitted that on Kunzberg, and so still going the next day, and they talked about it on Politics Live, and Darren Jones had to defend it. And this is important because research shows that it could lift a million children out of poverty. For like a billion quid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 1.3 billion. Nothing, really. In the same it's pocket change, bro. But it is when we're talking about. Me and Megara, that's pocket change. Mm. <laughs> Pop over here. Drop, you could drop the receipt. I'll just tweet it in my fin subs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so like, so, look, someone, can someone sort out the two, the I'll two put, child I'll cap? Crowdfund 1.3 billion on uh, wish tender. Ha, yeah. That's what I'll do. How long do you reckon? Minutes? Hours? Uh, moments. Yeah, exactly. And then we're in Downing Street with a paintball gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he had to go out and defend that, right? Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> that sucks. It's quite it an does, uncomfortable position when you are you're a Labour MP who has come from humble beginnings. He said that he grew up on a council estate yeah, yeah. and benefited from child ben, uh, the child benefit. I think he was the first in his family to go to uni, I think. Yeah. That to me in an and then you have to say something like, but now I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> you lot aren't coming. Yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah. you Kick can... Away the ladder. Um, away. And then this wasn't Darren Jones, but I did speak to other Labour MPs who, spoke, who, who told me that they... They were quite disgusted by it. Mm. And I'm really, I'm really shocked that more MPs haven't made a sound about it. Zara Sultana did. But it's really quite shocking because firstly, you've got, they, they decided they weren't going to pay for free school meals. And now they're talking about two-child benefit, not lifting the cap. I mean, what, what's the point? You said, I thought you, you put it... Better then? No, 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 no. Well, yeah, I guess. Because <laughs> you just said to him, you sound like a conservative. Mm. I thought that was... Quite powerful, to be honest with you, because they, because they, thank you, they do, mm. <laughs> they do. I mean, uh, I think a couple of weekends ago in the Sunday Times, Kit, that someone was briefing out that they're going to maintain the Tories' fiscal rules for at least the first two years of a of a Labour government. There's, there's, you sound like they're saying you sound like a conservative, and there's like, oh no, you're you're actually you're governing like a conservative as well. And I don't know whether it's <clears throat> it goes in question again. Just what what are they for? Well, you made the good point, which is that. The Conservatives can find seven billion pounds to 
cancel inheritance tax when they want to, mm. but they'll always accuse the Labour Party of hugging the magic money tree. Yeah. Is that right, if I paraphrased you yeah, correctly? well, look, maybe I said it better when I said it. But, you know, we'll put the clip in now. No, no, we're then, in the right space. And then viewers can decide. <laughs> if you email ed at <laughs> joe. <laughs> <laughs> the only lo- true blue loyal poldrill head yeah. doesn't do any other media than what I'm paid to do. Yeah, you. what was it you said I was... A st- did you call me? Accuse me of being a traitor for uh... for going LBC? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Don't catch me. I'm working for Global. You're joking. I would work for Global. <laughs> They're watching. Um... Do you think your dad can get you in there as well? <laughs> we have never had it so good. It's the Politics Show podcast. Universities. Yeah. So for or against. <laughs> against, against, against. Moving on. Did you go to university, Magara? Yes, um, I'm actually about to finish university. Oh. oh wow! Yeah, so I went to uni about eleven years ago, and um, I got to my honours year, and then I dropped out because my partner at the, or my ex at the time, killed himself. So I just gave up on university completely, and I was studying for a geology degree, and. The partner that I'm with right now, my fiance, who we're getting married in August, he'd um, he just kept poking me to like go and finish it. He's like, finish that degree, go and like finish that honours year. So I've signed up to Open University, and I'm oh. going in October to finish off the geology degree, and I'm going to mix it in with a little bit of software engineering. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Second it. Yeah. Um, it's one of these. Do we think that's full degree? Yeah, do, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Richard Shank would love that. L- literally, qualifies, yeah. That's what I was about to say. Is because uh, so we're talking about this because Rishi Sunak has announced a crackdown on Mickey Mouse degrees, and I think that's the challenge. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you say geology and software engineering, and we're all immediately like, science. That's sick. <laughs> that's a good degree. And then I'm uh, not that confident. I know what geology is. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think it is? Shapes? Rocks? Yeah, is it rocks? Bang on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Everything then... before humans and soil down. Nice. I like that I diminished the degree that much. Rocks. Rocks, is it? Rocks. Yeah. Stone. It yeah. really is. And then you, uh, we go around the table and we go politics, we go English literature, and we go... Politics also... with quantitative methods. So I'm slightly more... Politics. Less, slightly yeah. less... Oh, better yeah. data. Love it. Yeah. I don't ever use it. I was really bad at it. So Cool. But... Which of them are the Mickey Mouse degrees? And this is the question with with um, Rishi on this, right? It's like you want to, you have to say what they are. What is it? What's a Mickey Mouse degree? Underwater basket weaving. Well, yeah, okay, so yeah. No, because how many people can do that? That's no, I know, no, we actually have a skill shortage for underwater basket weaving. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's actually a bad one. Um, Sorry, English literature is one that people like to say is a Mickey Mouse degree. Because they go, well, you're just reading. It's like, I was also smoking a lot of weed. (laughs) (laughs) It was really hard to concentrate. Like, I I wasn't reading. I don't know, like, I didn't do very much work at university. (laughs) No, me either. No, I worked. Like I you had a job? Yeah, to make money. I wasn't not not working on, like, university stuff. Um, Mm. but But I think that kind of misses the point almost, because it's the job. It's the other life bits and pieces it's the going and living independently by yourself for the first time being put in a new social situation where you have to make friends for the first time trying to take care of yourself it's almost like it's it's like the little the little stepping stone before we go full kid gloves off you know go and get a job and live in a city and try not to fucking burn the whole place to the ground yeah there's like all these soft skills that get trained in university like 
been able to work to a deadline, been able to hand in and follow instructions and create like take data and, and or take new concepts and pick them apart and think independently and <clears throat> like there's so much that goes with a degree or you know even just an ordinary degree the f first three years or I think it's two is it two years in England yeah and um that is invaluable even just learning the the practice of integrity so saying that you're going to do something and then doing it it's just it's massive it's a life lesson isn't it you said yeah. something like that earlier didn't you on the desk about you know, you you could be fucking. I'm sure when they say Mickey Mouse degrees, they're talking about anything that sort of has studies at the end of it, right? Mm. So film studies or gender studies. And I'm I not, resent that. Yeah, I'm not saying that those things aren't worth studying. Just FYI. But even if, let's say, we just concede that they are. Let's say we agree with the Conservative government that those things aren't worth studying. It's the process. It's the it's the it's the writing, uh, making a proceed like process of information. You know researching, those are skills that stand you in the set for the rest of your life. There's also, I think, the accessories being at university in terms of, uh, university allows you to do quite a lot of really cool things because you're at, you're in the university drama society or business society or like investment society. Deleting pint society. <laughs> Fuck the jolly fucking rules! But, um, he, but, so my, one of my best friends, he studied law at the University of Edinburgh, so that's not a Mickey Mouse degree. That's no, pretty fucking mm. Mickey Mouse to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he 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 did not do he did not do his degree. He was in the very much in the mindset of I hate law. I'm not doing this. He, I think he graduated with an ordinary degree, so he did like still got still graduated. But during his time at university, he was really involved with um, the drama society, like comedy stuff. He's now a BAFTA-winning TV producer, and he would not have been able to gain those skills had he not been at university mm. because he had, yep. the, he had the time and the um, resources from the university. It's like, it's, there's skills that you learn. Like, like Oli and I, we're tabmen. We are tabmen. We wouldn't be here if we didn't write for the Cardiff tab and the Edinburgh tab or like other student newspapers. There's things you can do in practice. It's not just, I think it's a really like, well, corporate view of what university should be, you should go and be a chemical engineer. Yeah. And yeah. become a chemical engineer. perfect word for it. And also it's things yeah. like fucking like social work. Social mm. work's not hiring profession, but it's important. And you go and do a degree in that. It's nursing. Yeah, it's almost, you're right. It's like anything that's not like fucking STEM, anything that's not maths, anything that's not bioengineering. But I also think it's about critical thinking. You think about an in, a large, careful my words here, some generations will read things on Facebook and they take them as merit mm. and they don't have that kind of critical thinking skill which is like yeah. assessing and analysing and university provides that. When you're in school, you don't learn for learning's sake, you learn to complete exam exams and to graduate, whereas when you go to university, yeah, you do sit around and you think and mm. you ponder and that really infuriates people like, I don't know, that Matthew bloke, what's Goodwin. his name? Goodwin. I think there's a bit of that, yeah, with th with this, which is that it's kind of the um, it's become fashionable, right, to sort of bemoan the graduate class, um, younger people, university educated people. I actually, it probably is sort of the dividing line of our society these days. Is kind of an older, less educated strata of society versus a younger, more metropolitan, university educated one, and that cleaves quite neatly along Remain leave lines. It also is. It's probably the def defining fault line of our politics as well, because that's kind of it's pretty much Labour Tory, 
and um, I think you could probably view British electoral politics for years to come as being a conflict between those two groups of people. It's a very ugly comparison, isn't it, that you can only enjoy sort of like the things that graduates do if you are not in a trade job. Like, you know, I dated a builder for a while and he was very well read, far more well read than me. But what, he can't like, you know, build, he can't be a labourer yeah, because yeah. he also likes to read. The, the, these two things separate. That is, that is the exact line that the Conservatives are touting. Get into an apprenticeship and get your head out of the books. Mm. It's mental. Yeah, pigeonholing. Miriam Cates, government minister in the Telegraph, mm. yes? Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. She said, Cracking down on useless degrees is a much-needed step. We also need a radical new offer for young people based on meaningful skills training, cheaper housing, lower taxes, and a solution to economic unfairness in which 80% of the wealth is held by the over-60s. This motherfucker has been in power for 13 years. <laughs> yes. What have you been doing all this time? Yeah. Girl, great. Yeah, yeah. Come on, fix it, Miriam. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fucking hot dog meme, isn't it? We're all trying to find the guy yeah, who did and this. And Miriam Cates and her party. Yeah. Government minister, yeah, we need... It's so disingenuous. Like, that's new offer. Obvious. Radical new offer, you're right. It's also absolutely extraordinary that she says that some rogue advisor has written this because the Conservatives never say it's unfair that 80% of the wealth is held by the over-60s. It's like, Miriam, yeah, what the hell? Miriam that's the base. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! That has like a near, uh, that's, that's like a NatCon flavour to that. Mm. That's yeah. what that is. That's what that is. Shut the fridge. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. Ed and Ava's idea on how to fix Westminster. Okay. Megara and I will judge you. So... Harshly. There's been a lot of MPs, well one MP in particular recently has been criticised for her persistent absenteeism in Parliament. Nadine Doris hasn't made a speech in Parliament for a year. So, we think... Is that true? She's been busy. Yeah, she hasn't spoken in Parliament for a year. Even as a government minister? She answered quite, she hasn't made a speech. Right, got you, cool. This, this is a... This sorry, is, sorry, sorry. All of this sorry. has been verified. Yeah, this is, this is, we're about to radicalise Western. We're about to fix politics. Nadine Dorries, is that the one that always looks drunk? <laughs> take That's out, the take one, out. yes. You can take the looks out. Yes, it is. <laughs> My dad comes down with videos of her and he's like, she's steaming again. <laughs> <laughs> Look at her, she's always, always looks like she's had a few and I'm like, yes, probably, I don't but know. She, <laughs> she hasn't made Parliament for a year, so... We think if you're an MP, any MP, but particularly a Conservative MP, you don't like being in Parliament, you should have to join Sinn Féin. <laughs> <laughs> because they have a policy of not sitting in Parliament. That's right. And you try and win a Conservative base, you could try, try and win a Conservative safe seat. Mid Bedfordshire. As a Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin. As a Sinn Féin candidate. Sorry, so your, your idea to fix British politics so the is, is the penalty is former political wing of the IRA. That's you have, to, you have to campaign listen, as them. Listen, pal, all right? This isn't ideological. Can you explain right? how this fixes Westminster? They, because because you've got to be, turn up to Parliament the, or you're in Sinn Féin. The people, right. the, people, the people of Mid-Bedfordshire would finally get some parliamentary representation. Thoughts? I it's not working for me. Just get the paintball guns. Uh, <laughs> there we go. We yeah, I think Sinn Féin might have different guns. <laughs> <laughs> We might have to take that out. Why? <laughs> no, we don't. 
Well, sorry, there were no Sean people who have some like, guns. Sean all the wires out. <laughs> Kill the broadcast! Kill it! So, sorry, I think they might know some people who have some guns. <laughs> yeah. Um, we came full circle there, didn't we, with the paintball gun? Mm. That's, 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 that's very Call professional. Back. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very professional presenting there, Megara. Um, Megara, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Very insightful, um, very funny. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank on. you. Ava, Ed, a pleasure as always. <laughs> Drop a comment if you think Nadine Doris should be in Shinfin. <laughs> See you on the next one. Thank <laughs> you. Or maybe E. <laughs> <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.